And a question. Let's give the question first. Why is it that as a church and as individuals in a church that we believe so much? And I know that many in the room do believe so much. And yet we experience so little. You've got to be honest. And um, last week when John was speaking, we were on about God doing a a new thing. We had uh, four times last week the passage from Isaiah came up. came up on Tuesday night's Bible study and prayer meeting. About God doing new works, God, God doing new things, leaving the past behind us. And it's a good way to, to enter a new year. And I had this message just before Christmas to bring, and then I, I stepped aside so John could, could, could bring his. That's not to make me look good, but it, it probably did. There you go. There you go. Lighten the atmosphere, Al. Come on, work with me. Look, I ask you the question, and be honest in your own heart. I believe the Word of God. I try and apply it daily in in my walk. And yet inside of me, I know that I am nowhere near, absolutely nowhere near what he wants me to be. I touched on it on Tuesday at the prayer meeting about life being a journey. And I'll touch on it again as we go through. But ask yourself the question this morning. Why is it I believe this stuff and experience? There's such a gap in, in that statement. Well, let me tell you the testimony part of it. A few years ago, I had an encounter with God. And this encounter was like nothing I've ever um, experienced before. For two full days... I did not sleep. Uh, I went to bed. Uh, we, we just bought the house at Langold in preparation to go to Bible college. We never had any furniture. We had a mattress on the floor. And God said to me, um, get up. And I thought, God, do you know all the time? Like, it's 10 o'clock. I'm old now. I need to go to sleep. But anyway, being a future pastor, I thought I better sort of demonstrate some willingness. So I got up. Kay looked at me quizzically and closed her eyes and went to sleep. Went downstairs. The only furniture we had in the house were, were two desks. And my desk that we'd bought for Bible college um, was downstairs. And I sat with my back to the radiator. And I can remember it as I'm telling it. God said, no, go to your desk. Go, get up and go to your desk. And so I, I got to the desk. And God began... A, a, a wonderful event in my life. And it's good to remember some of this stuff. Not all the stuff we experience, we should live in the past. The problem is, I don't want to live in the past. I want to live in these experiences today. And I can't manufacture them, but I do want them. And and what God did is, it, 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 it was like turning the pages on a big book. And the big book was my life. And he kept saying to me this statement. That should have changed your life. That event, whatever that event was, and I've had some great times with God, the trouble is, it hasn't changed my life. It has for the moment, I've lived in the moment and thought, yes, 
And then, of course, I've gone, no, later on. How thick, or what? Is it just me? Be gracious, someone say, no, it's not just you. (laughs) Come on, work with me. Look, you could have the same experience. And then in in his grace, I spent two full days. The same thing happened again, look, 24 hours later, 10 o'clock the next night. I'm, I'm shattered by then. I was up all night looking at this book, crying like a baby, and and went to bed the next night, and he said, no, get up. Sometimes God has to tell you something more than once. And that was getting some response. Yeah, okay, time to move on. I know we had to give me two heart attack. Cool. I'm glad I learned it on the second go. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'm that stupid, it needed two. Anyway, so this I had two days in his presence, look. Two full days in God's presence. And it was the most extraordinary experience. I remember going shopping in Morrison's in Retford with your mum. And you, uh, her mum is saying to Kay, what's wrong with him? Because I was a bit different. And you are different when you're in God's presence. And do you know one of, the th- one of the questions I asked God was, Lord, will you please allow me to see as you see? Do you know I cried all the way around Morrison's at Retford. You don't have to get some strange looks as an adult walking around. They must have thought, he can't afford the shopping. <laughs> but it wasn't that. It was looking at people's lives, thinking... What a waste. What a waste. And I have, I have this reality of the living God giving me a glimpse as how he sees us sometimes behaving in life. Do you know we waste so much of life? And, and you know, yesterday was a sad day for us. For those of you who don't know, Kay's mum died yesterday. And you leave it all behind, you know. You leave it all behind. Whatever you think is important, a mum is a believer. She now knows the truth. And I don't know whether we'll remember some of the mistakes we've made in heaven. I don't know whether we're full of regret when we get there. Or whether if we thought, you know, if I had my time again, I, I would do things different. But the good news is we don't have to have our time again. You and I can do things different from today. As we enter 2017, only a fool, and I think it was Neil last week, said to me, only a fool repeats the same mistakes. Do you know church can be full of fools? And don't take that as offensive, but it's meant to be. That went right over your head, look, I'll repeat that. Don't be offended, yes be offended. Stop being a fool. That was for me. Look, we're going to look at some passages today and I'm going to show you from the Word of God how to do life properly. The choice is yours and I know this, the choice is mine. I choose for me. Let's begin, as a church, and whenever I'm speaking, I'm going to go through the book of John this year. I encourage you, if you're coming to this church, read the book of John. Read John's Gospels. Or John, John, the Gospel of John. We'll be in it for the rest of the year. You may as well get familiar with it. 
But I've pulled one passage out of it just to set the scene. Can we put the first verse up, please? This is at the Feast of Tabernacles in John chapter 7. Jesus has gone to the feast and it's an eight-day feast. And it's remembering the time of God's provision in the wilderness and when they lived in tents. And this is what our Jesus said on the last day. On the last and greatest day of the festival, Jesus stood. Alright, he stands. And he says, in a little weaky voice. Now he screams it out. Let anyone who is thirsty come to me and drink. Does anyone want to give me the Greek for anyone? Absolutely, look at that. That means there is not one person in this room not covered by that statement. Or those downstairs. Anyone. Let me tell you, does Jesus tell porcupines? Does your pastor? See, it's 50-50 on that time. You, you've not been back long enough yet, Chuck. <laughs> oh, Alright, well, well, we'll stick with Jesus. Forget me. That's why I quote the Bible. Look. Okay. Let anyone, that's us, who is thirsty. I said to Michelle a few weeks ago, I don't know how to get people thirsty. I wish I could give you a thirst for the word of God. Are you thirsty? You know, we live in a, a, a culture in this country where water, you just turn a tap on. You, do, you know, we've had works up water at our house and it makes dreadful coffee. Kay doesn't know that because she doesn't make coffee. I make coffee. But I get accused in the morning of works up water. The solution, we go Tesco and buy bottled water. Do you know there's so many parts in the world that you just can't do that? And I don't mean Tesco. I mean, actually, water is precious. Where you value every drop. And when you're thirsty... You're craving water. Well, let me tell you something. God wants us to be thirsty for Jesus. He wants us to be parched for him so that actually we'll get off our bottoms and we will get, do something about our thirst. If anyone is thirsty, you quench your thirst. I can't give you that. I wish I could give you all a dose of salt, put it on your sandwiches, but he can give you the thirst. He can make us thirsty. If we want to be thirsty, that's the sort of prayer that Jesus answers. That's the sort of prayer where he wants to work something in our lives. Lord, I want to be thirsty. I want to be more thirsty in 2017 than I've ever been in my life. Maybe in your heart you can agree with that. Do you know, I counted my books this morning on the bookshelf. Close your ears. Just over a thousand thousand. How many have I read? We don't count those, they're still in the box. Just over a thousand books. I've read some of them. Some of them are on my future reading list. I need a thousand and ten. Yeah, well, that's been said to me before. Look, let anyone who is thirsty come to me. And maybe that's my problem, John. Maybe I keep coming to a book. And maybe before that I should come to him to drink. 
Because it's that, that's how you get satisfied. Whoever believes in me, I have no problem believing in Jesus. I know Jesus. I've met him. Many, many times. And I'm sure many in the room have. Whoever believes in me, as scripture has said, and that's interesting, we'll cover that in the future preach, rivers of living water will flow from within them. Can you imagine that, what that looks like? This is quantifiable, by the way. And by that I mean this. You know where the rivers of living water are flowing from you. Be honest. Because that either he's wrong, if it's not, then I wonder why. Maybe it's because we're not coming to him. Can you imagine what that would look like as a church? If we imagine what it would look like as, a, as an individual, imagine it being as a collective. And then let your mind go bigger. Imagine what it would look like if, if the churches that we partner with in different events, that we added together this living water that would flow from us. And then imagine it as a country, the UK, with all the churches being all the people that we're supposed to be. Do you think we could change this culture? And it's not going to change without us, you know. I don't know if anyone saw last night, we flicked over and watched the last part of something about fungus. I don't mean athlete's foot, I mean mushrooms. Do you know some guy thought he's a mushroom? He was speaking about mushrooms. (laughs) Do you get that? Uh, Just for the benefit of the tape. I said, was he a fun guy? (laughs) Sort of church you might join. <laughs> I don't know, I'll go carry on sometimes. Look, he, he believes this stuff. He believes that when you die, you're back in the ground and you're back to what you originally were. A fungus? I don't want to be a fungus. I want to be a fungi. I want to be a person that brings life. Do you know you are, you and me are supposed to bring life wherever we go. I come into contact with someone, life. Don't take this the wrong way, we've had enough of death. How sad if the church is dead. And you are the church, by the way. Not the building. Let's come to him. Thirsty. Look, and he clarifies it. By this he meant the spirit. So much rubbish about the spirit. So much disagreement in church about what the spirit, when he's moving and what it looks like and how he manifests and all that. Let me tell you one of the things that do. Look, the spirit's meant to make you alive. It's meant to make you, wherever you and I go, to actually make things better. It's meant to bring something, or he's meant to bring something. Isn't it good to be around certain kinds of people? Do you, you know the ones I mean. The, the, the ones that you just think, I enjoy their company. Do you know some Christians you think, what a pain in the backside. You've met them. Yeah, Judith and I know some, don't we, mate? <laughs> don't be one of them. Don't be one that's not bringing life. By this he meant the Spirit, whom those who believed in him were later to receive. 
Up to that time, the Spirit had not been given. Of course, he's not been given. He's not been to the cross. He's, he's not ascended yet. But he's warning them, look. He's warning them. He does a very similar statement in John chapter 4. I could have gone there. But today I'm going to show you a different, a different take on it. Let's look at another passage. Is it the Isaiah one next, Graham? Song Pro died. Song Pro wants kicking out the window, but there we go. I will ad-lib till he gets me my passage back. Isaiah speaks of living water many, many times. He speaks of um, the rivers of blessing coming from Jerusalem after the new kingdom is established. Are you filled with the Spirit today? Have you been to God this morning and been filled with his presence? And if you are filled with the Spirit, you're filled with the Spirit for a reason. Isaiah 55. Come all you who are thirsty. Come to the waters and you who have no money, you don't need any money. Come buy and eat. Come buy wine and milk without money and without cost. Why spend money on what is not bread and your labour on what does not satisfy? So much in life, people spend their time on the wrong thing. And then they go on to the next thing and they go on to the next thing. The Spirit is saying to the church, just come to me. Come and I will satisfy you. Listen, listen to me and eat what is good and you will delight in the richest of fare. Give ear and come to me. Listen that you may live. I will make an everlasting covenant with you and my faithful love promise to David. See, I have made him a witness to the peoples, a ruler and commander of the peoples. Often in the Bible, water is likened to the Holy Spirit. Put some one up for me, please. Can we just turn that fan off for me, Mel? Just press the button. Ne- yeah. Psalm 1, one of my favourite psalms. Blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked or stand in the way that sinners take or sit in the company of mockers, but whose delight is in the law of the Lord and who meditates on his law day and night. We're supposed to chew these things over. We're supposed to dwell on these promises of God, these scriptures in the Bible, what's speaking into your heart. To meditate means to sort of take it in. A bit like a cow and then you bring it out again and you chew it over again and then you swallow it down and then you bring it back and you're chomping on the word of God all the time. And this is how the Bible describes that sort of person. That person is like a tree planted by streams of water which yields its fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever they do prospers. Fantastic promise from God. Where are you planted? Where are you planted? He's asking us to be planted firmly rooted next to him, in him. What's the, op- op- what's the opposite? Not so the wicked. They're like chaff that the wind blows away and therefore the wicked will not stand in the judgment nor sin is in the assembly of righteous. We can choose to draw our strength. You've said it this morning. 
drawing from him. It's not easy. No one says it's easy, by the way. No one says sometimes life's not painful. But we have this opportunity. But all of that is just by way of introduction. You're just getting warmed up. Now we're going to the passage I want to share with you. Now this is the passage that God gave me just before Christmas. Ezekiel 47. This is what I want as a church to challenge us for 2017. I've set the scene. Let me say this. There is enough detail in this passage to tell us it's not just a spiritual application. I'm going to use the spiritual application. But this is an event in future time where you, if you are a believer, will see this very thing. That should put a big fat smile on your face. I'll give you the little precy of what's coming. One day, Christ himself returns to earth. And Ezekiel has been given a vision of what that looks like. But when Jesus comes back, it's called the millennial rule on earth, you will be with him if you are his children. And you will see the literal fulfilment of this very passage. And I'll be looking over and saying, no, 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 I told you this was coming. So pin your ears back, but we're going to also apply it for today. The man brought me back to the entrance to the temple and I saw water coming out from under the threshold of the temple towards the east. For the temple faced east. The water was coming down from under the south side of the temple, south of the altar. Sometimes when people are reading through the Bible, they get to books like Ezekiel and they think, oh, this is so, so difficult. Ever been there? Be truthful, you're in church. Yeah, that, you see, look, yeah. This is an easy one. Like I said, this is literally going to happen, but also from a spiritual point of view, it's got so much application. The new temple, that's where he's going to rule from in Jerusalem. Do you know Jerusalem doesn't have its own water source? It doesn't have a river near it. It has Hezekiah's tunnel where he brought the water in, but there's no literal river flowing through. Wherever water comes, often big cities are built around the world. Think of London, for example. Think of Glasgow and, and you know, wherever there's a, uh, trade routes can come in and obviously if it's, if it's uh, drinking water, then, uh, then um, you need it to, for life. Water is all about life. But if you look at the original, t- original language, this is showing, dis- being described, it's just a trickle. Just the, inside the temple, coming out under the doorway, is a trickle of water. And as I've said to you, in the, in the Bible, often the Holy Spirit is likened to water. So it starts as a trickle. It's interesting the route that it takes. It goes south of the altar. Where's the What's the altar for? Sacrifice. You know, we can only come into God's presence because of the sacrifice. There'll come a time when sacrifice is no longer needed. But symbols remind us of something. That altar won't be being used. There's no, there is no need for, a, for any further sacrifice. But it is a reminder of his sacrifice for you and I. That's how we come in to the, to the presence of God. Through the shedding of blood. 
So then, he brought me out through the north gate, he can't go out of the other gate, and he led me round the outside to the outer gate facing east. And the water was trickling from the south side. So it's still got a trickle. It's come from the very presence of God, which is the temple, and it's trickling forth. And Ezekiel must be thinking, what on earth am I looking at? What are you trying to tell me? As the man went eastward with a measuring line in his hand, he measured off a thousand cubits. Now that, in modern money, is about a a third of a mile. So he measures off a third of a mile, and then he led me through the water that was ankle deep. Now that's strange. The water is getting deeper. There's no other supply, there's no other tributaries happening, but it's now ankle deep. Let's have a look. He measured off another thousand cubits and he led me through the water that was now knee deep. It's growing in depth now. It's growing in depth. And he measured off another thousand and he led me through water that was up to the waist. Get the picture. Every thousand cubits, every third of a mile, this water is growing. Deeper and deeper. Ever seen these David Attenborough films? Have you seen it where it rains miles away? And then the, all the animals are there and there's nothing on the ground. It's all desert and dry ground. And then this little trickle comes down the river bank. And then suddenly, the next time you see it, there's grass and there's animals and there's fish and there's crocodiles. And uh, water, water brings life. Wherever this is coming, it's bringing life. It measured off another thousand, but now it was a river that I could not cross. Because the water had risen and was deep enough to swim in. A river that nobody could cross. All came out of the temple. All from a trickle. He asked me this question. Son of man, do you see this? And then he led me back to the bank of the river. The key word is led. Is led. That is the secret to the Christian walk. The secret to your walk and my walk is being led by God. And you know what we often do? We like to lead God. We do, you know, if if you're truthful. We We can have some great ideas. We can have some great plans. We pray and then we say to him, do you mind blessing them? Look, Lord, Lord, I know, I know you're God. You created all this universe and it's working fairly well. Look at what I can do. Look at what how clever I am. I've discovered this this last few years. And I mean the last few years. When he leads, miracles happen. When he leads, miracles happen. You're sat in a room that he gave us. Think about that. I know you and some of you in the room think Michelle and I are the world's best businessmen competing with Alan Sugar. He didn't, you know. He led us here. I know you think that sometimes we invented food bank land and it's free and uh, yeah, some of you are beginning to understand this now. No, he led us. He led us. And as long as we let him do the leading, he does the supplying. He does the provision. He might use people. I'm not saying that God doesn't use people. That's just his grace. Do you know what the picture is this, look? And I know it so much now. I've been saved 20 odd years now and I know this. Ankle deep. 
Too much of me above the water. Too much of me, my feet are wet. I know the Holy Spirit. Do you know when you first get saved, I wish Vicky was in the room. You know when, when you're first saved, you're so excited for God. You don't know anything. But you know one thing, I was blind, now I see. I've got no theology. I don't know the, the order of the Bible. I don't know any whether it's in the New Testament, the Old Testament, or in some book I've read. But this much I know, I didn't know him, but now I know him. And you're dead excited. And then along come a thousand books. Do you know, I'll confess my sins, but don't stone me yet. Last Friday, I was in the CAB office with somebody, and the woman at the desk said, I'm going to have to dial the DWP, we might be on hold for 40 minutes. Right. But while I'm on hold, I'll put it on speaker and, I, and I'll just talk to you while it goes through the waiting time. And do you know what I did? I sat there going, holy, holy Joe, Lord, I, I really don't, I want to get out of here. Let him answer straight away. She dials this number on the DWP. The guy picks the phone up on like the first ring. She looks at me and she says, that's never happened before. <laughs> and as a pastor, I went, I wonder if that was a coincidence. I didn't really, you know. I just went, yes. <laughs> are you excited? Or are you just paddling? Sometimes I overthink things. Sometimes I, 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 I get so theological that actually I realise what I've done is I've gone back to being just ankle deep. What about as we move on through the water... And we go up to our, to our knees. Everyone touch your knees if you can. Do you know what they're for? Absolutely. They are there to get on the floor with. It's designed in you. I have committed to God. If, if you can't go on your knees, he not understands. Uh, do well just stay down longer. Give us a ring. <laughs> I, I'll, I'll, I'll share something. A few years ago, when Madge died, I'm, I'm so sorry Johnny's not here today. When Madge died, um, Madge was a prayer warrior, what I would say a true person who, she's like had God's phone number on speed dial, you know. She's the one that you didn't want to go next after in the prayer meeting. She like did everything. Madge spent a lot of time communing with God. Her theology was all over the place, and I used to say to myself, he, he must laugh at her. But he wasn't that bothered. He wasn't that bothered about a theology. The one thing that God is bothered about with Madge was how much she loved him. And he answered her prayers and she taught me something. When I did her funeral, I thought, the church is so much worse off, so much worse off for no Madge. I'm going to spend more time on my knees. Do you know I didn't? I didn't do it. I set off great. I set off great. And then I thought, I'm not doing it as much as I should. I am going to do it this year. I am going to spend more time on my knees. But only I can do that. As he moves on through the water, up to his waist. Getting difficult now, walking through water when it's waist deep. The Holy Spirit taking more of the person. 
Sometimes I've been waist deep. And I've thought, this is fantastic. Sometimes it might even get scary. And then you go back to the ankle deep. Where I'm back in control. But what about the last picture? What about the picture where he wants us to be? When it's deep enough to swim in, do you know what's hid? What's hid when you're swimming? Thank you, Neil. Do you know a lot? This lot of believers, and they didn't get that. Just your head showing. You're submerged. That is the condition of the normal Christian life. Let me say that again. That is the condition that we are all supposed to be submerged. Let me tell you, even plainer than that, you and I cannot do this walk without being filled with his presence. Just the same as we couldn't get saved. You know, he added nothing to it. By his grace we got saved. He doesn't expect us to do the walk without him. And whenever we are struggling, I don't mean going through difficult times, I mean whenever we are really dry and struggling, it is because we are not filled with his presence. It is, you know. And I find that life gets in the way. I find that sometimes I'm in the river and I think that's where I touched in that two days. I think that two days is the only time in my Christian walk that I've ever swum in the Holy Spirit. And I want it again. I can't make it happen. But I can choose to be thirsty. This is not something I can generate. But it is something I believe he wants us to do. Can you imagine what we would look like? Oh, allow yourself to think big. Allow yourself to think less of me and all of him. What does that really look like? It looks like the cross, you know. It looks like things that I care deeply about, actually he might not care deeply about. It looks like following in his path. And he always takes you to the cross. He will always say, pick up your cross. Some things in our lives just have to go. They'll go anyway. You'll get to the place where Kay's mum got to yesterday. It'll go anyway. But what about it going now? And it's, it's self-evident, look. Look what happened. Son of man, do you see this? Takes you back to the river. And when I arrived there, I saw a great number of trees on each side of the river. Life. Are we bringing life to people? Is there life in your worship? In your daily reading? In your prayer life? Let's move it on, Graham. He said to me, this water flows the eastern region and goes down into Araba where it enters the Dead Sea. And when it enters into the sea, the salty water there becomes fresh. The Dead Sea, you can Google it, six times saltier than than any sea on the earth. No life. But this water will change that salty to fresh, to living water. You will see this with your eyes. But if we're in the river, 
Think of the change we can do in people's lives. You and I. Swarms of living creatures will live there. And whenever the river flo- wherever the river flows, there will be large numbers of fish because this water flows there and makes the salt water fresh. So where the river flows, everything will live. Church, this mysterious thing that he invented. Does anyone not like church? Be careful now. Does anyone find church difficult? Sometimes, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Stick around long enough, you'll get there. <laughs> church is a weird thing. It's taken something that the world cannot do. It's taken something and put together across section of society from one extreme to the other Paul wrote it like this in Galatians there is neither Jew nor Greek male nor female slave nor free none of that counts because it's swept away and in that culture in a Roman culture where status meant everything the church came along and said it means nothing. It means nothing. doesn't matter what colour you are, what country you're from, what sex you are, whatever, whatever, whatever. In church, whoosh, family. Family. And the only way it will work is if we're all filled with the Spirit, else we'll all smack each other and backbite and gossip. Ever been to one of those churches? You're still in one. When you find the perfect church, leave it because you've spoiled it if you join it. Okay. You're welcome, by the way. Does that sound welcoming? Well, it is. It is. And we can only do it because of his love. And we can only do it when we're swimming. Come on, let's swim together. Let's show the world we're not mushrooms. I could tell a joke there, but I'm not going to. I'm moving on. <laughs> okay. Fishermen will stand along the shore from Engedi to anywhere where else. There were places for spreading nets. The fish will, of many kinds, like the fish of the Mediterranean, Mediterranean Sea. Wherever it goes, life. I think there's two more verses. Look what happens if we don't. But the swamps and the marshes will not become fresh. They will be left for salt. When we'd been on holiday, I think it was in Cyprus, we went and visited some salt marshes. Ever seen them? They're all pristine white and nothing. Absolutely no growth, no fish, nothing. Sometimes churches are dead. Really are, you know. Where the Holy Spirit's been trying to get in for ages. Maybe Christians can be dead. Inside. Fruit trees of all kinds will grow on both banks of the river. Their leaves will not wither, nor will their fruit fail. Every month they will bear fruit. Not, not like once, in, I bought an apple tree the other day. I'm believing for this. That every month it's going to bear fruit. Won't you lot be surprised if I come every month with an apple? I'll, I'll, I will ad-lib. When dawn first started... 
When Dawn first started coming to church, we used to, uh, I may have started this in, uh, inadvertently, she was growing some veg, so I did nip down to Tesco and got some potatoes and boasted a little bit in a jacket potato size spud. So one day Dawn arrives for the prayer meeting at, when we lived at the manse, and she came into the house, and I was in the kitchen slaving over the kettle, and all she did was get these big bunch of carrots, you know, with the big green leaves on, and she threw them into the kitchen, onto the floor. And she said, what about them brazier? And I looked at them and I coveted carrots. <laughs> and I was repentant. And then I went to Tesco and you buy them. Uh, and I said to her, but these were dirty. She'd rolled them in the, in the garden outside. She's the church leader in here. That's the sort of thing that you have to put up with in this church. But anyway, back to this. Look, okay. When we're finished with this. Nor will their fruit fail. Is there fruit in our lives? Is the fruit in your life? Now then, what is the fruit that we're looking for? That's one. Come on, Mel. Come on, I'll put you on the... Sp- I know I'm asking. Come on. Yeah, you're getting there. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness and self-control. Give her a round of applause. What about making 2017 the year where someone else can say, do you know what, you are more loving you are more kind. There's more goodness coming through. There's more self-control coming through. Because there's supposed to be, you know. What about making it the year, and I'll end with this testimony. While we're at Langold, I don't know if you remember this, I've had some fantastic encounters with God. And um, they they didn't have that effect on me that I wanted them to have. And God gave me a vision. I went upstairs and I laid on the bed. And the vision was me in a swimming pool. And you know when you're in a swimming pool and you hold on to the side. Do you remember me me sharing it? Uh, I was holding on to the side and my legs were kicking in the water. And it looked really great, you know. And uh, um, The water was deep. I was in the deep end of the swimming pool. But you know what God said? It's time to let go. It is time to let go. How about I, I end with that? Maybe you can view your life as in that swimming pool. And I wonder if God is saying, 2017, how about letting go and swimming in me? Can we say Amen. Amen.